think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like in Argentina, for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 392 of Low Limit Football on this 11th of June, 2023. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight... The 2022-2023 European season is finally over and the silly season is in full swing. Jared Bowen's late winner gives West Ham United the Conference League Championship over Fiorentina 2-1. A 68th minute Rodri goal lives Manchester City to a 1-0 victory over Inter Milan. Their first Champions League title and a historic trouble completion for the citizens. We'll give our reaction to that match. And Lionel Messi turns down a lucrative offer from Saudi Arabia to take his talents to South Beach and sign with Inter Miami. We're going to give our reaction to both of those stories in tonight's podcast. So let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. Busy week, my man, right? It has been a busy week, Joe. Hello to all that is listening. And yes, we are putting a bow tie to the 22-23 European season after the match that we saw last night in Istanbul. You know, certainly we are obviously into the or um, into the swing of the silly season as well with this. Lionel Messi transfer to Inter Miami. Although I don't say I don't think it's South Beach. I mean, people have been mm. saying he's going to South Beach, but Inter Miami don't play in South Beach. I think they play a bit more north than that. They do. They play in Fort Lauderdale. I've been to the stadium myself. Um, you know, to watch the greatest Argentinian Argentinian player ever to play for Inter Miami, uh, Gonzalo Higuain, uh, <laughs> last season. Uh, but you know, we uh, it's true they are in South. But you know how it is, Inter Miami. Everyone goes back to the LeBron James. Uh, saying when he went to the Miami Heat, remember that? Because um, technically, the Miami Heat don't play on South Beach either. They do not, no. You know, they, they don't. So I don't, know where, I don't know where that came from. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be, we'll definitely get a reaction to that in a bit. But yeah, obviously, you know, here we are speaking on the day after Manchester City won the Champions League. And, you know, it's, it's incredible, really. You know, the fact that they've been able to, to do this in a way that I think, it's been a long time coming and, you know, we'll get into the reaction in just a bit, but just 
the the amount of money and, and kind of really this project. It's something that we've been speaking about over the years, I think over the last 10 years really, how Manchester City have always been able to be favorites to win this competition. They always spend the money that they do. They always fall short. I mean, they went to a final two years ago and lost to, to a Chelsea side that maybe on the day was better, but on paper wasn't. Mm-hmm. But now, Joe, I mean, we could really turn the page now. And the City have been able to finally achieve what they wanted to achieve for quite some time, like 15 years since this kind of project has started. And yeah, it's, now it's on to the pressure. The pressure's on to more teams to, to hopefully repeat what Manchester City have been able to do um, in, in basically a, a shorter amount of time, essentially. Mm-hmm. So let, let's, uh, let's, and, uh, you know, the trivia question uh, I'm going to give you is based on uh, winning the World Cup and the European Cup. Uh, Julian Alvarez yesterday uh, etched his name in history, becoming the 10th player uh, to win the both the World Cup and the uh, Champions League or European Cup in the same season. The first player to do it from Argentina. Um, there are three other nations represented by players who have won both the European Cup or the Champions League and the World Cup in the same season. Can you so Argentina is the fourth nation. Can you give me the three nations that are represented by players that have won both the European Cup and the World Cup in the same season? Okay. All right. I I'll, I'll give you the bonus trivia question afterwards at the end. So, let's uh, let's let's get back to it. Let's get back to Man City uh Inter. 1-0. Obviously, like I said, 68th minute Rodri goal. Um, I tweeted this at the end of the the match that uh, Nima Tavale, when he came on last week and talked to us, he said Inter Milan had to play the perfect match, uh, and in a one off, if they played a perfect match, they would you know they they could certainly win this. And and I'll be honest with you, for me, for eighty nine minutes, uh, Inter Milan were playing the perfect match. You saw them have the better chances. You saw them um, really. Disrupt the passing lanes that that City were 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 going through. Uh, weren't allowing City to work through the ball very well. Uh, De Bruyne, although injured, was was ineffective and then came off. I think Phil Foden was a was a spark that uh, City needed uh, when he came on. But for me, Inter were really playing well. And for some reason, in that 68th minute, whether it be that the that City finally figured out the passing lanes or Inter switched off, but that was that one minute of imperfection started by Phil Foden. Um, if you remember kind of backtracking and picking up the ball in the midfield and then starting that play on the opposite side um, where Rodri finally got that ball. And, and I mean, goal scores goal, right? I mean, he threaded the needle with that shot. It was just a magnificent finish. Um, but that was the one minute. And that was the one lapse to me that, that inter Milan was not perfect. And when they were not perfect, that was where city um, and, and champions would do as well. They capitalize on others mistakes and it led to the it led to the treble, um, you know. So for me, I, I I thought for the rest of the match, I don't want to say Inter was the better side, but they were certainly equals uh, in my opinion. I thought they played a very very great match. Um, you know, I, Demarco was effective. That was something that I was keeping an eye out for. Uh, not necessarily against Kyle Walker, uh, who came on as a sub, but uh, but but I thought uh, Federico Demarco did uh, did excellent work there. Um, Lautaro I thought had a pretty good game. Brozovic was fantastic in the middle, um, and even the back line. Uh, you saw Cherby kind of stick to Holland and then get help um, as he needed it. Holland was very ineffective for me 
um, throughout the day, but and, and he missed a, a pretty good chance um, early in the first half, if I remember correctly. But for me, I, I thought this was a good match. Um, it was a it was a well played match by both sides, and like I said, it was it was a moment of of lapse that really cost Inter and uh, and gave City the title. What was your initial reaction to the whole thing? Yeah, no, I think you kind of put it well there. I think certainly it was a match that I think even for City and Inter fans, they didn't expect it to last that long in terms of, you know, you know 68 minutes. It took for Rodri to score that goal. But I think, you know, they were obviously needed to play the perfect game. And I'm talking about Inter in this case. I think certainly... I think initially in the first half, you saw really a city side that was pressing notoriously, um, a, you know, a lot really, and and you know, I think they were able to to get a lot of chances there. But again, you had a few saves from Alana. You know, I think they they were a bit poor on the end of the um, in the final end as well in the final third. Looking at Inter as well, I mean, yeah, I mean, certainly, I think their midfield really was able to to capitalize a few. Um, Things that, that I think City was able to to, to try to capitalize, and you know, I think Inter was able to, to withstand that as much as they could. And you know, obviously, they were kind of also a bit ineffective in the final third. I think that's kind of one of the things that I think was really costly in a way. I mean, not not, not so much defensively they were because you know I saw the City side, and I think they were a bit defensively shaky as well, Joe. I mean, yeah. I don't know if. You think about that, yeah. I mean, I think Diaz was probably one of the best players on the pitch that day, but you saw sometimes, you know, some lapses from them that I think Inter had the perfect opportunity to, to take advantage and to try to score. I mean, yeah, they they, they missed some chances. You know, obviously Lothado missing a one on one with Ederson, I think should have passed it over to Lukaku. Lukaku was in the way as well yeah. um, for one of the the final shots in the in the second half. I mean, you know, I, I think certainly Inter kind of would feel a bit you know, disappointed in the way that they waste opportunities, not so much the fact that they didn't get any, because they definitely did. Um, you know, looking at the, the stats real quick, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy when you think about it. 14 shots over seven uh, for Inter. Yeah. So this was a side that was way more uh, effective, at least in, in shots on targets, than, than Manchester City did. And, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, in the second half alone, they had 10 shots for them on target, whereas City had three shots two of them on target, one of them being, of course, the Rodri goal. So, you know, City, I'm sorry, Inter definitely wanted to, um, to take advantage of that, and they just they couldn't. They, they wasted a lot of opportunities in the final third, and I think you saw a City side that was kind of a bit, you know, scared, and, and you know, Pep Guardiola as well. Just, you know, you saw how kind of nervous he was that he was thinking, oh, this might slip away. Mm-hmm. But again, I think... Ultimately, I think the best, the better side did win, you know, with Manchester City, obviously, they came in as favorites, and I think a lot of people expected to be a, a blowout, not myself and not you, of course, I, I predicted a one-goal win for City, um, you know, I said 2-1, but, you know, ended up being 1-0, but in any case, I think this was a side that I think even for City fans, I think they could feel a bit impressed by what Inter was able to do, I mean, yeah, like I said, they were kind of really ineffective in the final third but the fact that they were able to withstand withstand Manchester City for 68 minutes before that goal um, shows that I think they were up there to to really battle for it and yeah I mean here we are now Manchester City you know treble winners Um, obviously Pep Guardiola winning his second ever treble you know he did it with Barcelona back in 2009 and 
I think now a question that I have to pose to you, Joy. I mean, you know, you look at the man, you look at all, everything that Pep has won. And mind you, he's he's 52 years old. He's been at City for now seven years. He's been a manager at Barcelona and Bayern Munich for for what does it say, 15 years now, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, he's managed three of the biggest teams in the world, and he's won titles everywhere. I mean, yeah, he won the Champions League with Bayern Munich, but you know, he's won um, league titles. Now, obviously, winning. The treble and, and you know trying to really break a mold into English football. I mean, uh, I don't want to really go into like you know being someone that is into recency biased or anything like that. But all this talk about him being amongst the greatest of all time, which which is true. I think we we kind of said that that he's among the greatest of managers of all time very early in his managerial career. But I think now with him winning this treble with Manchester City, he's won it with Barcelona. My question to you is, is it time to put him into the conversation as the greatest? I mean, in the conversation with the Sir Alex Ferguson and the Mourinho's, do you feel that even with this treble that he won last night, that he is the greatest manager that's ever lived? I I mean, I I think he's in the discussion. You know, I, I think you have to talk about it. Um, you know, people will point to the fact that he didn't win the Champions League at Bayern Munich and say, well, why didn't you do it there? You did it at Barca with arguably the greatest player in the history of this game. Um, you did it and, 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 a, and a ridiculously good, historically good team. That was a team made up of, of plenty of Spanish midfield that's won the World Cup. So, um you, you know, you, they might put that knock on him. They might also say, um, you know, you went to Manchester City where Manchester City had, you know, buckets of money spent everything they anything they wanted. There's always still the cloud of financial fair play and, and all that stuff. And I don't want to go down that road. So I think the naysayers will point to those factors and say, you're not it. You know what I mean? That, that they'll look for a reason. Um, but I mean, what is it? Three Champions League titles, right? He's won. He's won the the um, he's won the the league title in every you know every country he's coached in right now, which is three. Um, I always look at uh, I always look at Ancelotti um, as his better. I know everyone likes to you know Alex Ferguson you know is the greatest blah blah blah, and I'm not saying that he's not. Um, well, I am saying he's not because I think for me it's Carlo Ancelotti, the best club manager in the world um, in history at the moment. I think that's the pedestal. Four Champions Leagues, he's won the league in every single country he's coached in. Um, you know, it's. And, and he did not, and he's won it in this era of Pep Guardiola, if you think about it, right? He, uh, Ancelotti's also won it in the era of Sir Alex Ferguson. So, you know, is is Pep the greatest ever? No, I, I don't think he is yet. Is he close? Yeah. Um, is he in the discussion? Absolutely. Uh, what do you do from here? Okay. You, you, the, the book of work is only, what, about 15 years, we said, right? So where do we go from here, Pep Guardiola? Do we go to Italy? Do we go to PSG? Do we go to a place where you have not been um, and win that league and then win that the Champions League there? Do you do that? That's that's going to start to really rise his name even further. because. Or, or how about this? What if he does what Sir Alex did and create a legacy? You know, he won 13 league titles with City. I'm sorry, with Manchester United and won you know, all that. Who's to not say that he can't be you know, that kind of manager what at Manchester City, what Sir Alex was at Manchester United. Absolutely. Um, you know, the question, I think the question with that would become where uh, where the players come from. 
right? Uh, you know, what are are we still using Eddie had money to buy whatever piece we want the you know, the prettiest diamond in the window? Um, or are we doing it through player development, you know, internally? Are we, because, because part of Sir Alex's legacy is the fact that he built that. Do you know what I mean? He, he, Sir Alex also had player development as well as bringing in pieces that he wanted to Cristiano Ronaldo and that sort of thing. Um, so Sir Alex did both things. And, and I think that that's going to be the next, uh, frontier for Pep Guardiola is to develop the player. Okay. Cause he hasn't been. He hasn't been at one particular place long enough to really build that type of legacy, you know, that Sir Alex legacy. And but he could do it here. And and I think right now things are great. I mean, everyone in the world would would throw a truckload of money at him to be their manager. Um, watch out Saudi Arabia. But and, and again, I don't think he's going to Saudi Arabia. But that would be the next step for me to 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 put him on that level or to talk about him in those terms. I want to see him develop somebody. I want to see him. Take somebody that's seventeen, eighteen, and make. Well, he kind of he kind of did that with Phil Foden. I mean, that, that's one example. I mean, he's done it for you know, obviously in in um in Barcelona as well with you know with Messi and, and many others. Well, so I mean, don't, he was, don't say he hasn't had the experience. No, no, no. But but you really can't put guys like Messi and Iniesta on on his development queue, right? I mean, th- those are guys that came through La Masia well before while, while Pep was still a player. Um. Foden, I will absolutely give you um, for sure. And that's and that's where it starts, right? That's where the story where that story starts. I think for me is that story starts when we see more than Phil Foden. We see multiple Phil Foden's. Now we're like, okay, this guy is not only really good on the pitch game day, right? And, And a great tactician and knows how to win. But he knows how to build people and then insert them into his system to win. That's going to be for me when he does that. I don't care if he goes to Italy or he goes to France and he wins league titles here and there when he starts doing that and really becomes the complete manager like that then yeah for me absolutely the best manager in the history but right now i don't i for me it's still ancelotti and for me i think pep guardiola is absolutely 100 percent without a doubt in the conversation for me i mean where do, where do you stand on it yeah i mean look it's it's so hard to to really pinpoint how Pep Guardiola has let yet to achieve. I mean, in, in in terms of managerial kind of perspectives, he's still a very young manager. He's mm-hmm. like I said, he's fifty two, fifty three. Yeah. Sir Alex was a manager of Manchester United until up until his seventies, I think, if I'm not mistaken, yes. or, or right around there. So, yeah, twenty years left until uh, Pep can can try to achieve that. And who knows what he can do at that time? You know, who knows if he can win so many more, much more league titles? I think. Sir Alex won fifty in his in his time as as a manager, and Pep Scott in, in roughly thirty thirty five. I don't know how much it was, but it's definitely around that age. So definitely around that mark, and you know that's fifteen titles, and fifteen titles is not easy to to achieve, but it's definitely doable in the next ten, fifteen, twenty years. I mean, certainly let's yeah. let's put it out this way. Let's say uh, match, they probably won't do this. I, I, I seriously doubt it, but let's say. Manchester City win five more trebles. That's 15 titles, and they can do it in five years. So right. that could be done like that. It won't happen, but who's to say that he can't do it um, there? Now, you know, the question, of course, will be for Pep, like, you know, what's what's next for him? Because I think for him, you know, he didn't really say anything about his, like, his future. You know, I think he did say that he wanted to stay and he wanted to, to be, like, he's very fortunate to be, 
you know, at Manchester City. And, and certainly, I think for him, he wants to stay there. I, I think he definitely wants to create that kind of legacy that, you know, he did at Barcelona that I think he he's obviously emulated now at Manchester City. But, you know, I think he wants to do more. He wants to know. He sees that, you know, obviously with other teams that are being much more competitive in the Premier League, you know, with all the money that they have, he wants to, to remain at the top. And not just at, on the domestic level, but of course in Europe as well with other teams like Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, PSG, so on and so forth that are creeping their way. And I think he's he's learned from past mistakes. Whether or not he's able to continue it is is here to is is still left to see. Um, but I think he's certainly in a position where I think he he can definitely create really a dynasty in Manchester City if he hasn't already, but definitely achieve much, much more than he's already achieved already um, on this side. All right, let's let's look at the other side of that real quick. Um, and let's look at Simone Inzaghi, right? I believe this is the first uh, championship match that he's lost in his career. Second, uh, I think. I think he's lost one final before this, but yeah. I, I, th- I thought it was his first, but but either way, um, you know, this is a guy that's won Coppa Italia with Lazio. Um, you know, he's, he's won, you know, multiple competitions with Inter. And uh, and now here we are, and, and and he loses, you know, the biggest the biggest game on the biggest stage. Um, what are your thoughts of Inzaghi, especially when you reflect on this uh, this Inter match against City uh, yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he, like I said beforehand, the fact that they were able to withstand an hour of football um, before City would score shows that he he clearly has something in him. Now, I I do want to say this that you know, obviously because he doesn't he hasn't won the Champions League, this isn't to say that Simone Inzaghi is a bad manager because he's not. Let's let's put it this way. He he was able to achieve what he was able to achieve on relatively low standards. I mean, this isn't anything against Inter and then their achievement to make the Champions League final, but you know, obviously I think he wasn't expected to be in the situation. I think many people were thinking he was going to be sacked early on in his in his tenure at Inter. But you know, he, he was able to achieve what he was able to achieve at Lazio. He took it a step further and to do it at Inter as well. So, you know, this is certainly a manager that has what it takes to to be competitive. Um, do I think Inter should still keep him? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I think they. I think he can still build something from there um, that can help really further straighten this straighten this um is inter side um moving forward i mean yeah obviously they're they're gonna have to try to balance the book as best as they can to see who they can bring in and who they can not who they could uh not have but i think obviously i i think you have to really give merit to him that you know he was in a position that he wasn't the favorite he, he tried to go and surprise a lot of people, but uh, I think Inzaghi can put his head high, as, as crazy as that might seem for someone who just lost the biggest club game of his um, of his career, but of his managerial career at least. But I think he, he definitely wants to achieve more with this side. I mean, he did say he wants to get back to the Champions League final. I mean, if, if that is a demonstration of how um, confident and, and obviously motivational that he can be for for this Inter side, then I say, yeah, keep him as best as he can. You know, obviously, we're going to have to wait and see what Inter we get in terms of ownership and and players as well. But I think it shows that he is very happy with what his players was able to achieve in the final last night. But I, I think he could still be able to to really 
demonstrate what he can demonstrate a bit further. And, you know, who's to say he can't do – he still has other goals, like to win the Scudetto with Inter and, and to – because, you know, obviously I think Inter have the side to do it. But, mm-hmm. you know, who's to say that he can't do that? I, I don't see him jumping ship just yet just because I think he still has a bit more to achieve with the side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of my final – two cents really on Inzaghi yeah you know and, and I'm with you right there as well um you know when you look at yesterday's match uh he he obviously had a game plan in mind um executed it and and uh you know executed it well and 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 really bear the fruits of that labor too I mean when you look at you know the overall stats like you had said you, you know goal attempts were were 14 to 7 in favor of Inter shots on goal from what I'm reading here 5 to 4 in favor of Inter even expected goals you know if you if if this were a statistical game, Inter wins yesterday. Inter wins 1.5 to 0.8. So, you know, I think Inzaghi, you know, as a tactician, we were talking about Guardiola as a, as a, as a tactician. I think Inzaghi also as a tactician because I think it was in the broadcast yesterday. I forget. One of the commentators um, said that, uh, you know, the way Inter played yesterday was almost Conte-esque. Right. And we're not we don't know Inzaghi to be like Conte. They're very different managers in terms of their overall style. But there were there were pieces of what Inter did yesterday that looked like Antonio Conte was on the bench and not Simone Inzaghi. And I think that's a credit to Inzaghi and his ability to get his best out of his players. And I think I think he did a wonderful job yesterday, Um, you know, we're all going to say that, you know, Pep was the better coach yesterday, of course, but um, you've got to give credit to Inzaghi and what he did. And I think Inter are a dangerous side moving forward here. You're right with, you know, they're going to have to figure out Lukaku and Eden Dzeko. Obviously, uh, Milan Skriniar um, is out the door going to PSG. You've got uh, Stefan de Vrij, who uh, is, is in limbo right now, but it looks like they have solutions to those problems. So we're going to have to see what Inter, uh, you know, do in this summer transfer window. We already know the silly season is in very full swing. But what kind of money do they have to spend? What kind of pieces does Inzaghi want? Those are going to be the telltale signs as to what does Inter look like next season. And I'm sure we'll talk to Nima over the summer and, and figure that out. So um, so to put a bow on this, you know, obviously, congratulations to Manchester City for winning uh, the treble, for winning the uh, the Champions League, their first title ever. Um, obviously, friends of the show that I can think of off the top of my head, Ariel Castillo, um, who was at Ataturk uh, Stadium yesterday. Uh, congratulations to her, Nico DeGaio, who's a big Manchester City guy. Uh, congratulations to him. Kyle D- Dabalek, um also is a City guy. And last but not least, our former co-host, uh, Sir Bob Mike Orr, who is uh, always a, a, a staunch citizen supporter. Um, congratulations to him as well. You know, Roberto, before we go to our next topic, it was funny. Yesterday I had to do some stuff in my basement and um, I went around uh, you know, where I was in my basement and I just lo- happened to look up on the wall and up on the wall is that Manchester City bag signed by Pablo Zabaleta that you and I got last year with uh, with Kyle in New York City? I'm, I'm sure you remember that day. Um, of course, I have it right in front of me as well. My yeah, bag's right in front of. Yeah, so I'm recording this. I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, after the game, I had to go do something, and I looked, and I look up, and I see it there, and it, like it hits you in the face, like, uh, you know, that was that was a pretty cool day, um, pretty cool people, and you know. Pretty cool to see City go ahead and win that title. So, again, congratulations to Manchester City, all their fans, their supporters um, uh, on winning the treble. Let's uh, let's move forward, right? Because, uh, like I had mentioned in the uh, opening monologue, the silly season is in full swing. My God, um, the money is is hemorrhaging out of Saudi Arabia. They they must be printing it, right? Um, you saw Karim Benzema 
go to Saudi Arabia for, I believe, 100 million euro. Um, N'Golo Kante has joined him as a teammate um, for also 100 million euro. And reports were coming out of Saudi Arabia that Lionel Messi was offered a 1.5 billion, with a B, billion dollar contract to come there. Messi uh, turned it down to take his uh, talents not to South Beach, but to Broward County uh, <laughs> to play for Inter Miami. I was reading up on some of the um, the details of his contract. Messi's going to make $53 million annually. That's I'm reading off of the Fox Sports story, and they attribute that fact to uh, sport. Um, and that does not include, you know, this is where MLS gets, you know, fancy, right? They're, uh, part of the contract for Messi to come to Inter Miami, uh, they've obviously, uh, MLS and, and Apple TV had signed the new TV deal. Any of the subscriptions that come after Messi, uh, Messi gets a portion of that. That goes into his salary, doesn't count accord, uh, against any salary cap or anything like that. Um, Adidas also, um, because Adidas is the official shirt uh, sponsor, kit sponsor of MLS, uh, any of the messy stuff, he gets a chunk of that as well. Um, and he also, a la David Beckham, um, has a has a piece of an MLS club waiting for him, whether it's going to be of an existing club or somehow MLS expands to 40, 50, 60 clubs, you know, the way they're going right now. Um, that's also part of the deal. So this may not be lucrative in terms of cash up front, but this is the kind of deal um, and, and David Beckham is, is an example of this. This is the kind of deal that um, sets a family for life, right? Uh, because of the added revenue that he is going to see past his playing career. It's like the, the Bobby Bonilla New York Mets contract where he's still getting paid. Uh, you know, that kind of crazy stuff. Um, these numbers are outrageous. Uh, but MLS is built right now as a money league, uh, in my opinion, where you're seeing teams pay 200 million, 300 million just to enter the league. It's a closed league, so there's people are investing that type of money because there's no fear of falling out of that league. Like there's pro rel, and I know we can get into that conversation. Um, but what are your thoughts of, you know, Messi coming to Miami? And, and let's be honest, Roberto, this is something that we have kind of known for a couple of years. He has a house in Miami. He likes the area. We kind of had a feeling this was going to happen, but now it is here. What are your thoughts on, on the whole move? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy to believe that, you know, this has been something that's been flirted around for many years. You know, even I think ever since Inter Miami was even created uh, back in, I think it was 2018, 2019. Yeah. 2018. So this was always something that kind of was always on the mind of Inter Miami fans, MLS fans, and just people that like Messi as well. Mm-hmm. Is he ever going to play in MLS? And if he was going to, he's going to play here. And now it's <clears throat> it's a reality. You know, it's it's crazy to believe that. Um, I mean, yes, I think when you look at kind of the the offer, you know, a billion dollars, that's something that I think for most people they would take no worries because that sets them up not just for life but for their kids life for their next generation that kind of thing it's Mm -hmm. it's it's crazy when you think about it but i think it demonstrated that you know he really wanted to come to back to barcelona that was something that was always on his mind you know he 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 always wanted to play for them um but of course you know barcelona wasn't able to to really give him his that um that confidence sorry that, that 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 um Oh, that's what I'm looking for. But just really, you know, the fact that, you know... Confidence in the project. Well, that too, but also the assurance that he couldn't have it happen, really. And and now with this, 
you know, moved to, to MLS, I think, yeah, obviously the interest in the league, in the team, and, and really in, in the United States is, is going to skyrocket. I mean, yeah, obviously you're, you're arguably bringing the greatest player of all time um, to the United States to play for MLS. That's, that's bigger than what Beckham did. That's bigger than what any other MLS, you know, signing. And I'm talking MLS then. I'm not going back to, to Pele when he went to the Cosmos, the NASL in the 70s. But this is really the biggest thing that could happen to MLS ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting when you think about it. And, you know, obviously, like you said, there's, there's a lot of <laughs> add-ons and really, um, catches really into why you would join you. Like you said, a, a share of the, the Apple TV revenue, you know, the fact that, you know, the Argentina, the, the, the ASA really have a, um, they have a training base over there as well. Messi has his own house, his, his apartment over there in Miami as well. So there, there's, there's a lot of connect excuse me connecting the dots into all this and i'm excited i really am i think it's it's good to see that because it shows that you know it's a good way for him to not just be promoted here in the united states but you know obviously with the copa america happening next year the world cup happening three years we'll see if he's going to be playing in that one i think he definitely wants to but that's a this is a perfect opportunity for american fans especially those that do like soccer to really take advantage you have messi in their backyard you could probably have argentina in about a year's time and you know they're the reigning world champions so that that interest is just going to skyrocket and you even saw that um just you know just mere minutes or even hours after the messi deal was kind of confirmed i mean it's not official official because they haven't signed the contract it's funny they, they, like inter miami mls they've all confirmed it like they say yeah he's gonna come here but he never signed the contract no he can't so it's not huh he can't he's under contract no, with psg until june uh, june 30th and the transfer window for the mls for mls doesn't open until july july like, 1 the start of, exactly so right. it's gonna happen like obviously mm. if something really catastrophic does not happen then yeah he's gonna He's going to be in that pink stadium wearing a pink kit um, this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, I think for, for us, like I said, you know, and, and the interest has skyrocketed. You have prices that were in the less than $100 now have skyrocketed up to 400 It's for, mm-hmm. for all the remaining Inter-Miami games that are happening, not just the ones that are happening over there in, in Fort Lauderdale, but in anywhere in the country. Um, I saw, you know, Red Bull Arena tickets for their game against the Red Bulls so up to $400 now. So... Mm-hmm. It's insane that that level of interest can just go on to just one player. But again, you're talking about the greatest player that's ever really lived, uh, that's won the World Cup and has been able to do what he's been able to do at club level coming here. So for me, I'm excited, and I'm sure you feel the same way as well, having been coming to the United States. I am. You know, I for me, I, I, I when this happened and you saw those uh, ticket prices just absolutely skyrocket. Some some instances, twelve hundred percent increases over what the face value was. Um, I think back to when you and I watched uh, them play Venezuela in the Copa America in twenty sixteen when we went up to Boston um, and got to see Messi live. Then I've also gotten to see Messi live, um, literally sitting just rows behind Gigi Buffon when Juve played Barca in um, in in kind of those friendly matches. The uh, the the um, uh, the, you know the Charlie Stilatano, uh thing that they yeah that international they, they, champions cup. Thank you. Um, back in MetLife, uh, I got to see him play there. So I'm I'm grateful that I've seen Messi play a couple of times because I don't know how I could afford to watch Messi play 
um, with these ticket prices. And and granted, he's going to the biggest stadiums. Um, you know, right now his premiere or his debut is scheduled to be in the Nations Cup uh, on July 21st against Cruz Azul, a, a ticket price that went from like $40 to $600. Um, we've seen we've seen that happen but he's going to like you said he's going to go to New York Red Bull on the 26th of August uh he's going to play at LAFC uh on September 3rd we're going to see him play in Atlanta on the 16th of September uh and there's even talk the last game of the season on October 21st against Charlotte Charlotte currently currently uses Bank of America Stadium and they they closed the upper bowl of the stadium they had opened it for their initial um opening match uh their their first match ever um, but there's talk of them actually opening that up and selling those tickets because there's such interest in seeing Messi. So he's gonna he's gonna sell out stadiums, right? And I, and I'm sure he's gonna you know drive um, the Apple TV contract where more people will sign up because they're gonna want to see Messi. Um, this is almost like you know this is like a death blow to uh, to be in sports a little bit because now with PSG without Messi. Um, really, you're looking, and, and obviously Neymar may be moving to Manchester United. You're really looking at Kylian Mbappe, and that's it in the French league in terms of star star power. So, you know, this is this is, I think, a big blow. But I, I think, um, I think that the problem is going to be is is will Lionel Messi be financially accessible to the average fan? Do you know what I mean? That's that's one of my concerns about. I the, mean, I think I think if they can afford it, they will. I mean, yeah. Again, this is we're not talking about. <laughs> we're not here to discuss. Um, financial you know division or anything like that but certainly i think they can they can do it if they need to yeah no no i I think it's i think it's one of the unfortunate side effects of when you have a you know a a star that's larger than life come into a a new league um you know i i think that's that's where the the issue is for me but um but he's going to drive interest um we saw the instagram uh, the post uh that the miami uh inter miami instagram is uh, has more followers than any major league baseball, NHL hockey, um, or NFL football team right now in this country. I think the only the only teams that might have more followers are like the LA Lakers, um, which is which is insane. I mean, and that was driven in the course of a couple of days. They went from a million followers to over six, and I don't know where they stand right now, but I know that number was still growing. Um, They're at seven point six million right there, now on Instagram. There you go. So you know, so so that that's the kind of that's another one of the effects um, Lionel Messi has. So so financially, there's going to be an effect, um, good or bad, right? Because he's going to drive ticket sales. He's not only at at uh, at Drive Pink Stadium, but he's also going to drive t- ticket sales at everywhere. R- Red Bull Arena, um, you know, in Atlanta, in Charlotte, in L.A. I mean, not that L.A. needs driving. Um, but he's going to drive those ticket sales and they're going to be at higher prices. So there's going to be a financial recuperation from MLS teams. There's going to be the kit deal. Now, how many Messi jerseys are they going to sell? Do you remember when Messi went to PSG, how hard it was to get a, a, a Messi PSG shirt? I mean, you remember you had yeah, to wait like three yeah, months sure. for your kit. Remember? I did. Yeah. I yeah. Did. So I, tell me that that's not going to happen again. No, it's, it's, it's going to be crazy. Really? Exactly. I mean, are they able to, I was, I was, you know, obviously, a kind of a, a story really I was able to go to a few shops and they were asking me hey do you have like any messy shirts right now I was like no because we it's just we can't fight have the demand at the moment and I'm sure they will they'll find a way like it's gonna it's gonna happen but yeah I mean this this interest is gonna be it's gonna skyrocket 100 yeah. percent and you know <laughs> I think the big question really that is on everyone's mind is because yeah it's, it's good to see him come to Miami it's good to see to him come to MLS what's gonna happen to the team because yeah. you know, right now they're they're currently fifteenth. I they're think last. they're last place in the yeah, last place in the Eastern Conference. 
um, the, 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 the good part in a way is that because MLS has so many um, spots for the playoffs, it, they, they can technically make it. I mean, they only have to finish in, amongst the first nine. Correct. And, you know, I think there's a seven-point gap, something like that, if I'm not mistaken. So it, it's it's doable, but, yeah, I mean, this team is definitely needs to improve, and I don't think maybe it could. Maybe with Messi they could, but, you know, certainly this isn't a, a star-studded team that, that I think they can achieve to go and, and win MLS Cup. I mean, let's let's be real on that end. Yeah, they're they're actually you're right. Seven points behind Montreal at the moment in the Eastern Conference. So it is it is certainly attainable. I mean, with with over half the season to go, um, <clears throat> you also have to remember they are still in the um, in the uh, uh, oh boy, um, I'm, I'm missing it. The uh, the RFA Cup, um, the, the Lamar Hunt Trophy. The U.S. Open. The U.S. Open. Yeah. U.S. Open. So they're still they're still in that uh, competition as well. They're in one of the semifinalists. So, you know, this is a this is a season that they obviously get rid of Phil Neville. Um, we kind of I kind of joked a few weeks ago, if you remember, when they did sack Phil Neville that and the rumors were that Tata Martino was coming in. I said this was messy driven. Do you remember I said that? Um, but yeah, yep. they, and, and here we are. Um, although Messi and Tata don't necessarily see eye to eye, but I think there's a mutual respect there. And I think this what do you said, who said who they don't see eye to eye. I, I've heard it from a couple of places that they don't, uh, they don't necessarily agree with each other based on their, their time at Barcelona, but, uh, but they do, um, they do respect each other. So that is going to be where, you know, obviously I think Tata is, is going to be coming back. Obviously he's, ex- is experienced, um, in, uh, in MLS, he's a winner in MLS with Atlanta United and with Messi coming. I, I, I can't see how Tata doesn't, um, take that bench anytime soon. So, um, I, I think between that, um, also, you know, the Messi effect. Now there's talk of Leandro Paredes possibly coming. There's talk of Angel Di Maria possibly coming. There's talk of Sergio Busquets possibly coming. So I, my question to you, Roberto is how does MLS get around that designated player rule that they have? <laughs> they'll find a way. They just rewrite. They'll, they'll find a way. Uh, yeah, rewrite I mean, the rule, maybe, right? Well, they'll make they'll make the you know the Beckham rule kind of exception. I think they're going to make like a Messi rule or something. Exactly. That's the thing. They'll, they'll 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 find a way. I mean, inter. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know how many DPs they have, but um, I, I think they'll they will find a way to to have it done. Um, so honestly, so. so long story short, when your name is Blaze Matweedy, there's no exception. But when your name is Lionel Messi, there's an exception. I mean, when you're <laughs> one of the greatest of all time, you kind of you're kind of given. Really, I think any team in the world would want well, to make the exception. Well, well, up until November, you know, one of them was a world car, a World Cup winner, and the other one wasn't. Well, the other one is one of the greatest of all time. The other one isn't. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what what Messi fever brings to MLS, um, what he brings to soccer in this country, the perception, um, especially with the new Nations League competition going on, and that that he might make his debut there. I think that's gonna be a big deal. Let's give you a quick little Messi trivia question, right? Because I told you I kind of throw one in the middle here. Um, so Messi Messi's salary uh, is listed as fifty three point seven million dollars. Um, where does that rank him right now, currently, on the top 10 highest-paid athletes in North America? Oh, very low, I'd imagine. Give me a number. Uh, I'll say eighth. Fifth. That will rank okay. him fifth. Devin Booker is the highest-paid uh, 
player right now in the NBA, 56.1 million. Carl Anthony Towns at 56.1. Nikola Jokic, who's about to win an NBA championship, 54.5. Steph Curry, 53.8. Messi comes in fifth at 53.7. Then Joel Embiid. Uh, then we see their first non-NFL player, Lamar, non-NBA player, Lamar Jackson at 52 million. Jalen Hurts at 51. Aaron Rodgers at 50.3. And then Bradley Beal at 50.2 million. So Lionel Messi automatically comes in. And that money also, Roberto, does not include any of the Apple TV or any of the Adidas money that's going to come his way as well. So that number's 53.7. He might actually be much, much higher than that. So we'll have to see where he lands. So let's um, let's table our discussion of Messi. Uh, I know next week we're going to have to get into the... Uh, into the transfer window much, much deeper. We're going to have to talk about, I, th- I think we should talk about Maldini next week a little bit because that was another big piece of news that happened in a whirlwind at the beginning of the week. And all of a sudden, Paolo Maldini's out at, uh, at Inter- I'm sorry, at AC Milan, which was a, a crazy story that came out of left field. But we'll, we'll probably table that one for next week. But let's give you some matches of the week this week because just, just because the, um, the European season's over doesn't mean we're done, right? So on Wednesday, we go to Nations League, UEFA Nations League, Netherlands and Croatia at 2.45 p.m. On Thursday, we have the other semifinals, Spain and Italy at 2.45 p.m., followed by the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals, Panama, Canada at 7 p.m., and USA, Mexico, 9 p.m. on Thursday night. On Friday, we're going to go to European qualifiers with Greece and Ireland at 2.45 p.m. Saturday is going to see other Euro qualifiers, Belgium and Austria, as well as Portugal and Bosnia and Herzegovina. Vina at 2.45 p.m., followed up by the MLS match of the week that we're highlighting, Sporting Kansas City and LAFC at 8.30 p.m. Um, we also have on Friday and Saturday Gold Cup qualifiers uh, going on for some of the smaller teams to get into the Gold Cup this summer. And on Sunday, the UEFA Nations League final, 2.45 p.m., the CONCACAF Nations League final at 8.30 p.m. Check your local listings also for the other European qualifiers because there are a ton of them coming up this weekend. Roberto, when we first started the show, I had mentioned that Julian Alvarez uh, became the 10th player, the first from Argentina, to win both the World Cup and the European Cup in the same season. I said three other countries were represented in this list of, of nine players, uh, not including Alvarez. Can you give me the three other countries? Well, it's going to be easy because all you have to do is really look at the countries that won the World Cup and really um, look at... Also, some of the players that won the Champions League. So the first team is first. Yeah, the first country that I'm going to give you is Brazil. Brazil. Roberto Carlos is the only one on the list. 2002. I'm going to give you France. France has two players. Christian Carambo in 1998 and Rafa Varane in 2018. Okay. So now I'm going to give you, as my last one, Germany. Germany. We have Sepp Meyer, Franz Beckenbauer, Paul Breitner, Gerd Müller, Hans Göring Schwarzenbeck and Uli Honus, all six from Bayern Munich in 1974, won the European Championship and the World Cup. Well done, my friend. So, oh, wait, wait, it's missing one. You got Sammy Kadira as well. He uh, won the Champions League and, and the World Cup in the oh, same then, season as well. Then, then we're going to have fault with William Hill because William Hill um, gives you just that list. Sammy Kadira. No, no, Sammy Kadira won. I must see. No, no, he did. Yeah, he won the Champions League in 2014 with Real Madrid, and he won the World Cup that summer. So that so obviously William Hill. My my information is from William Hill. So um, there's a mistake in there uh, in their information. So mm-hmm. um, all right. Well, we poked another hole in another one. So without further ado, my friend, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. 
So for episode 392 of Low Limit Football, congratulations again to Manchester City for winning their historic treble uh, and uh, obviously Champions League uh, winners, their first title in Champions League history. Uh, Next week, we're going to look at the silly season. Many, many moves have already been made. Moves are coming up. Uh, We'll probably get into the the, uh, AC Milan situation uh, as well as many, many other stories out there. So for episode 392 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.